This is episode number 276, part two with Rob Bell. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone back to this episode. This is part two and we dive in a lot deeper about the meaning of life, interpreting faith, uh, marriage, divorce, same-sex marriage, what's happening after we die, all these topics and more we dive in. So let's go ahead and dive in with this episode with the one and only Rob Bell, part two. And then when it comes to like same-gender relationships... There's basically five passages that refer to what we know to be same gender, sex, and relationships. Um, I believe none of those passages, there's lots of scholarship on this, are referring to what we're referring to when we talk about like same-sex marriage. Uh-huh. Two people in a committed, loving, monogamous relationship. I don't think the Bible is talking about that. Really? So when people say, well, the Bible's very clear. No, I don't think the Bible's talking about... Really? Talking about that. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people that they don't even have that category. So many people that believe in that and that are right stick true to that. I know, and they're not open to evolving and being. Yeah, and they keep quoting. There's basically five passages they quote. They're called the clobber passages. Really, and first off, to to use those particular verses, even the words that are used. Give me an example that someone might use. Here's an example. Uh, There's passages in First Timothy and First Corinthians which are often most commonly cited. One of the Greek words there that often gets translated like homosexual, the word actually literally refers much more to the idea of effeminate. And here's why. In the ancient Greek culture, there was a spectrum of femininity to masculinity. And the more masculine a man was believed to be, the more he had sex with more different kinds of people, including young boys. Hmm. And that a ma- if a man only had sex with a woman, that he was considered effeminate on the spectrum of s- sexuality. Wow. So when it speaks of somebody in, in the ancient Greek world to say that a man was effeminate meant this man only has sex with a woman. <laughs> okay. So some of these words have such a a rich, interesting history. And you can even see the history of tr- translating some of these words. Like the first use of the word homosexual in the Bible is 1973. That's the first time the word homosexual actually is in an English translation of the Bible. Really? Now, here's what's interesting. What also happened in huh. 1973? In 1973, the DSM-3, which was is the sort of psychology guidebook to what's considered a disease, took homosexuality, which they called at the time, off of its disease list and sort of normalized it. When was this? So 1973. So many people would simply say conservative uh, religious people in seeing the larger culture move towards acceptance translated the English translation of the Bible to this way almost in response to that. I mean, that's a theory that many people 
have. Why do you think people care so deeply about certain things like, you know, same-sex marriage? Yeah, great question. Why do you think they put so much – why are they so afraid of evolving or growing into a new way of experiencing life or, you know – and everyone has an yeah. opinion of what's right and wrong or good right, and bad. Right, right. It's good or bad or whatever, but it's just why are people so afraid of it, you think? Or I think some t- of the evolution. And of my life. observation as a pastor over the years yeah. is you were handed uh, a way of navigating the world. This is right, this is wrong, mm-hmm. this is good, this is bad. And healthy human growth and development. Hopefully your parents and your culture and your tribe and teachers and authority figures did instill you in in you a a moral compass, yeah. a sense of right and wrong. That's absolutely necessary for proper human growth and development. Sure. Even the idea of postponed gratification or impulse control, you can't have everything you want right now, is a really, really important thing to learn to in order to navigate the world. Yeah. I mean, think of how many addictions, how many um, compulsions come out of an inability to control impulses. So this is absolutely necessary, healthy human growth and development. The problem for many people is the same system, people, and authority figures, sometimes even dear loving parents, that handed me, it's good to save money, it's good to go to college, it's good to work hard, also handed you some other things. And later... When some of these other things don't work like they used to, hmm. if you challenge those, subvert those, stop obeying those or living by those, it can be, well, what else was I given? You know what I mean? That isn't what else that was wrong or that was right. The same person who told me this also told me this. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? isn't true. What else did they tell me? Um, and oftentimes there's a bunch of good in there. Yeah. And they mean well. also mixed in. They're into it. They're yeah. exactly. So th- the number of women I have right. met who were taught you matter, you're valuable. You're a child. You're a, you're a child of God. We're also told you can't be a spiritual leader. Um, you can't, a bunch of things, you just can't, you can't be president in this culture. You'll never be that thing that you want to be because this culture isn't ready for it. Um, and you'll never be because that's just not how it works. And so she grows up and she's like, but I want to be the president of a college. Yeah. Um, I want to be a priest. Um, I want to be a groundbreaking scientist. And for her to say that thing that I was told is wrong and I'm going to disregard it and I'm going to go after my dreams you have to move to a place of extraordinary maturity to be able to, uh, what theorists call transcend and include. Mm. I was handed a bunch of stuff that high school teacher who told me you can never be a CEO or a Sunday school teacher or also taught me how to work hard. Right. Right. So I'm going to keep the work hard part, Yes. but I'm going to leave behind the list of things I'm not going to be able to do. And you can see how many people, just get bitter, um, and the work of distinguishing, you know what I mean? And uh-huh. working through, um, I'm going to be grateful for this thing they gave me, and this thing they gave me isn't too helpful, so I'm going to discard it. Do you have anything like that in your life? Where you're like, 
grew up learning certain lessons or principles, but then you realize, oh, actually that principle doesn't work for me or that's actually not what's working in the world right now? That's or, a great question. Yeah. You know, I grew up believing that I was uh, supposed to preach a certain way, but actually I, I evolved and realized that what I was saying wasn't effective or isn't actually the truth anymore. Yeah, yeah. I um. Well, here's an example. I was trained in a setting that very much emphasized you believe in Jesus so that when you die, you go to heaven somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's, um, where you, that's where you grew up. Very, very much, very much. That was sort of the when dominant you, when story. When you believe in Jesus, you got, you'll die and you go to heaven. There's an afterlife and people go one of two places. Heaven or hell. And uh, you better believe, say, pray the right stuff so that when you die, you can go to the right place. So that's what you grew up believing. Um, That was the story. Okay. And... I don't I don't know how much at a young age you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely how it goes. Or you're just like, um, it's a new Star Wars movie coming out. You know what I mean? Right, you're right, you're right. really but um yeah. when in my early twenties I began I was introduced wait, 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 wait. It's about now. Um it, the story is not about getting into some place when you die. It's about it's about life before death. Mm. It's not about getting into heaven. It's about bringing heaven here. Heaven on earth. Yeah. It's about living in this world in a particular way. Mm. And you begin to mm. live like that, you'll be fine when you die. Right. And that that's actually Jesus' message. And that when he used the phrase eternal life, he was talking about a particular kind of life right now. Like this conversation we're having. Yeah. And the joy of talking about the big questions of life. And we don't want to be anywhere else but right here, right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. That's living. And the food that we, the meal we just had. It was amazing. So, Rob just made us an incredible <laughs> vegan meal from Rich Roll's book. It was unbelievable. So that's living. Yeah. And you and I and your mm-hmm. listeners, what are we here to do? What have I been given? How can I spread that around? Yeah. Um, how can I share what I've been blessed with, with those who need it? Right. That's just a whole different discussion. Yeah. And there's no fear in that discussion. Mm-hmm. There's no worry or stress. Am I going to get it's 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 a life lived in love and joy. And you're you're hooking up with something. You're in the flow of something. You're hearing a song that's been playing for a number of years and you're moving to it. You're dancing to it. Yeah. Um, you even have to shift into metaphors at that point because literal language <laughs> yeah, will yeah, fail exactly. you. And that was a huge because when I was trained as a pastor, it was kind of like, okay, we got to get everybody, whatever, converted, signed up, believing. <laughs> and I gradually began to realize, wait, some of these people, whatever the official party line is, saved, converted, whatever, they're miserable. Right. Um, they're completely jacked up. Huh. There's got to be some other thing we're doing here. Yeah. So I had a major, uh, actually my entire this is when working you're going life. To, uh, when you're going to school to be a priest, they were saying these things and you started. Um, yeah, you just sort of pick it up. Sometimes it's very direct. Here's yeah. the point of all this. And sometimes you just pick it up in the practice, what actually is said. And then I got into my first job as a pastor. And then um, I just kept going huh. and kept growing. Like the Iraq war, we were spending $10 billion a month on a war that 
a lot of people like, what are, what are we doing exactly here? Yeah. And I was trained in a sort of world that was like, you talk about spiritual things. You talk about heaven and you talk about matters of the heart. And it was like, wait, wait, wait. No, you talk about war and peace and guns and what's happening, loving our neighbor. Like if this message isn't about how we actually conduct ourselves in having integrity in business, um, not invading countries under shady conditions, um, this is all part of how what spirituality is. Yeah. It's what we do with this gift we've been given. Yeah. So for me, it just kept getting bigger, wider, more interesting. Um, and I think probably at first, well, when you're trained as a Christian pastor, it's about let's be Christian. But what kept happening as a pastor is I realized, wait, I'm talking about what it means to be human. Uh. This is about what it means to be human. And then all these people would come to hear me speak from all these different backgrounds. Afterwards, like you, I would hug people and talk to people, whoever wanted to talk. And the people who would come up to talk were like every religion, every background. Wow, really? People who were like, listen, I'm an atheist, but I come hear you every week because I love it. Huh. And I started like, wait, wait, wait. There is, there is a common humanity that we all share. And what we've done is invented all of these categories and labels, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist. Um, we just keep coming up with distinctions about distinctions. You know what I mean? Right. And in my work, I kept realizing, it was like I just kept going down another layer deeper. There is a common humanity we all share. We all want to know how to worry less. We all want more courage to do what we know is the right thing. Mm -hmm. We all want to pass on to the next generation a better world. We all have this inner voice that keeps whispering to us, this is why you're here. Whether you're a yoga instructor or a school teacher or a mom or an entrepreneur, like you have these moments when you're doing something and something within you says, this is why you're here. Mm -hmm. This is your jam. Yeah. This is your thing. And then we have, uh, my wife calls it the social self. You have all these voices around you yelling at you about about who you are and what you're supposed to be doing here. And that you have your true self, your North Star, your inner, they call it the Christ wisdom, that just keeps speaking to you about who you truly are. And sometimes it takes incredible courage to do the thing that you know is who you really are. Because you've got all these people, you got family members and neighbors and the kid the people you went to college with who are like who do you think you are to try that so what happens who, when everyone's against yeah your inner truth of what right you feel like you should be doing right and everyone else is like no that's wrong that's evil right that's right bad you're you're horrible i actually think now to pursue your true self if there will always bring some form of conflict wow they're almost always will be something aligned against you, whether it's even just a voice in your head of something somebody said to you 11 years ago about you. That's not a legitimate career. And you're like, but it is a great life. It's amazing how many people I've met. They were told something about the thing that they know they're here to do years ago, something negative, And it's still like a tape playing on repeat. 
in the in your head. And they haven't taken the leap or the step um, to go forward yet. And in my experience, there's always some step. There are these moments when you just step forward. And and I always say you have enough color and shape and texture or there's enough light to know what direction to leap into but if you ha- but if you had too much detail and guarantee then it wouldn't be interesting mm. then it wouldn't be faith it wouldn't be a risk then everybody would do it and everybody would right. be cr- kick you know hitting it out of the park and everybody's not hitting out of the park. If we could read our future <laughs> 10 years, if we took a step in this and we could yes. see 10 years down the line, yeah. what would happen? Wouldn't it be as interesting? And there's so many people, you can't believe how many people I meet with who they have some next step and it's so clear. And they're like, I don't know, I just, and you meet with them five years later and they haven't taken their they step and they're wondering. Step. And sometimes it's as simple as like, like you need to take that class and you know, you need to, they'll even tell you that I feel like I should just take that class and see whatever it is, real estate license class. Right. Right. And then it'll be like, yeah, still, it's, I just haven't gotten around to it. And it's like, yeah. then don't come back and say you feel stalled because mm-hmm. five years ago you and I had lunch and you were like, I just have this sense. Like maybe I'm, mm-hmm. what if, a, what if that's how it works? <laughs> you know, talking about marriage, what if there's a situation where there's a marriage that's holding someone's back Yeah, and they're like, I don't feel like I can, you know, get a divorce because that goes against all of my beliefs that I've been taught and it's wrong and it's evil and I'm not supposed to do it. I'm supposed to make it work and figure it out, but it's holding you back. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on that? Some marriages are dead and it's all law and no spirit. We have Mm -hmm. a ring. We have a marriage certificate somewhere. But the truth is... It probably died seven years ago. Wow. And should they stick it out? It's admirable they? and it's, you know, it's noble to just stay in it. That I mean, a lot of people, that, that can be a very. That's what happens. But sometimes it's dead. And I generally avoid any large, broad stroke because every single marriage I've ever dealt with was different. Yes. Um, but I have dealt with a lot of You've people. You married a lot of people, right? Oh my word! I've done weddings in prisons on snowboards. <laughs> I did a wedding where the best man was his dog. I've done uh, wow. weddings on boats. How many weddings have you done? Oh, uh, hundreds. Wow! I did a wedding. I did a wedding, and the dude wrote a song for his bride. So at one point in the wedding ceremony, like in the notes, it was like so and so sings. So he's holding hands with her. He lets go of her hands. He walks over, picks up an acoustic guitar. He goes to the mic and starts playing the song. First off, one of the worst guitar players I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, all the best, but one of the worst guitar players I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah. Starts playing, starts singing, but doesn't know the words. Oh, man. So he's just mump. It's like, I just want to, I just want to, okay. And then here, she had a, one of those names that's like a two word first name. Uh-huh. We're going to go, well, let's say Bobby Joe. Let's say, okay, Marianne. But the chorus was her name repeated. So he starts playing. Then I was like, I just want to be, I just want to hold you. I just want to do it. A Mary Ann, a Mary Ann, a Mary Ann. Second verse. Because I just, you're just so special. 
Tim, Tim, you just, I want to just, I just, I'm Mary Ann, oh I'm Mary gosh. Ann. He finishes the song, I use that term loosely, and he <laughs> puts the guitar down, and he walks back over, stands in front of her, grabs her hands, and they're facing each other for the vows. And no, and the audience, no reaction from the audience. It's the, cl- it's the closest I've ever been in a wedding to just wanting to be like, hold on a second. <laughs> Did anyone just realize Did what anybody, happened here? What are you... Like, it's the closest I've ever been to just saying to the bride, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? Because that was This is the one. (laughs) Or maybe you're even more in love than ever. I don't know. Wow. Um, But going back to you saying. So I always just begin. You don't want to have. Some are are dead and they've been dead for a while. And. You're saying it was probably some honesty. You have to just start with some honesty. Um. And often what happens is the really beautiful impulse to stay in it, to honor it, to cherish it, to respect this sacred bond, which are which I'm a hundred percent for, can mask the fact that this union was dead a long time ago. And sometimes one person has checked out and has no interest. Um and I've seen people part ways and it's awful, and yet, in some way, I can't tell you the number of people who I've seen them part ways and then find somebody else, and it's like their lives just go to a whole new level. Wow. So I always begin with that, partly because for many people, it's they haven't heard that perspective. What they've only ever heard is you stay in it no matter what. Yeah. Um, you make it work. You grow and I don't out. mean to trivialize. I don't say this to trivialize. I don't say, "Hey, whatever you're in, just you can, you know, here's a pass." But, mm-hmm. and then secondly, and more importantly, Do you think it's okay to leave a marriage if for seven years it's been dead? You're both done everything you. Can, I have seen worked. things die a long time ago, and here's the thing: I believe in miracles. I've seen things resurrected. Yes, there's no possible way. So that thing could have come back to life, and it did. Right. And I've seen a ton of those. Yes. So I begin with some are dead. Then I move to, but the really interesting mystery is when things come back to life. And I've seen that happen sure. again and again and again. And I believe in that. I believe that people can completely throw themselves into, let's start over. But the problem is if you don't begin with, okay, here's the deal. We both need to die to how it's been so that this thing can be reborn. Yeah. Because the way we've been doing, none of this is working. Um, but you need yeah. two parties. You need mm-hmm. two people who are both like totally owning their side of the street. Yeah. Taking responsibility and not blaming. That is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then the question becomes is, and then I speak out both sides of my mouth. Sometimes there's so much pain, hurt, uh, so many wounds that it will take a miracle and there's no way they're gonna they're so far apart there's so much pain and wound yeah and sometimes it's like you know what stop beating each other up you're both just dying here yeah and then i say at the exact same time but i've seen those very situations turned around wow time and time again so yeah any clear answer there it's important to just hold these are all realities yeah that are present in marriage um, and is it better to, if something's dead for 
you know, dead and then stays dead for 20 years? Is it better to be in a, a dead person and but stay committed to the law of a marriage or to right. break it off and actually unleash your greatest joy in the world right, and right, impact right. people in a positive right, way right. and create a new relationship right. that sparks joy and inspiration in other people? I, I begin with, if you're going to part ways, give it everything you have. Because you, for the rest of your life, will regret it if the two of you didn't give it everything you have. Sure. So even from what we're talking about now, that to me is above all else. Give it, both of you, everything you have. See, Read every book. See every yeah. therapist. See every counselor. Yeah. Interview every couple that somehow managed to, to stay together Resurrect and have together. a th- thriving relationship. Do everything you can. Um, so any easy, cheap, oh, good, I have a pass now completely to me violates this powerful profound thing Mm -hmm. Kristen and i met when we were 18 we were friends for four years nothing ever really happened until we were both ended up in la and we had like a best friend thing we were friends for years i thought she was like the greatest i was like if i ever grew up that's the kind of woman (laughs) you would want to be with i mean i always just was so in awe of her i would like get all sort of choked up or like i didn't really know what to say around her sometimes because i was just so kind of in awe of her but we we just were given this extraordinary gift of like we saw our life together like as a an adventure mm. and we're like 21 years in having more fun than ever wow we seriously laughed so hard just to out oh, today we were just walking in the neighborhood we just have so it's been unbelievable yeah so you guys are great we're very aware that we're we're really 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 fortunate yeah but um, not everyone has that and how do they exactly how do they find that exactly and, what if, and um, what if it doesn't come until they're thirty or forty or that's one of um last year we had this book come out that we wrote on marriage called the Zimzum of Love. Great book. We tried to put everything in a book that was like if someone said to us, How do I live and look for somebody to share my life with? Yeah. We tried to put all that in a book. That like, speaks my truth that I can understand, that can understand. Yeah. Me. And and the really interesting thing we tried to do that was compelling to us was we tried to write a book that was honest about how difficult marriage can be and also really inspiring about what it can be. Yeah. Because nothing, if you're in a difficult relationship, if you're in a painful marriage and someone's like, it's so awesome, you're like, (laughs) what do you have to say to me? Yeah. But also when someone goes, no, this could be really great. Like we need to hear that sort of thing. So how do you bring good news that's also honest about how unbelievably painful this thing can be yeah um and that sort of was driving us in the book is let's let everybody know who who this institution of marriage has been incredibly heartbreaking we get it we understand we hear you here are some thoughts about this whole thing yeah um it's a great book by the way i recommend everyone get it we'll have a link that's up very as well. kind of you yeah it's amazing when when people are going through a downtime stressful situation struggle adversity whether internally or you know, just around them, what do you think they should put their faith or belief in, in those moments? And when it seems like, man, months, years go by where it's like a struggle. Yeah. What should they believe in, in those moments? Uh, I begin. Or what should they do in general? Think and do. I begin with returning to the assumption that there is power at work in the universe, bigger and beyond you. And... That whatever this is, it is temporary. At some point it'll pass. And 
you have to begin with the moment I say this is how it is, period, I am now in firmly into despair, and despair is a spiritual condition. Despair is when you fall and pray to the belief that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. That's despair. And that that is a, a spiritual disease. That's a spiritual condition that needs to, to be confronted. Oh, wait, this is despair. This is the lie that tomorrow will be a repeat of today. It's not true. Um, so you, you have to begin with uh, the assumptions that we generally go to is we take whatever this experience is, and then we look into the future and all of those squares on the calendar of days, it's just an endless succession of this. But what we know is that we're in it, and it will pass because all is temporal. Mm. Um, and then the second question is, which is why having some sort of spiritual tradition or practice is really helpful. I I begin with the assumption that spirit is always up to something. That that there are forces or a force larger than me that is doing something in this. So keep your eyes open, pay attention mm. because something is unfolding here. Yeah. Um, some call it, the mystics call it the presence in the absence in the absence of hope and bounty and abundance and joy in that absence, there's a presence doing something. Yeah. So think about how many people you meet who, the dark matter, you mean? Yeah, you talk to them about how did your, tell me about key moments in your life, or how did you get to where you are? They generally tell you stories about loss, heartache, pain. So, the lessons they learn. The moments, in those moments when we most want to check out are actually the moments to pay attention like never before, because things don't die without things being born. Mm. And that's the power of death and of the death and resurrection story as a way of understanding your life is something's dying here and things die and then new things are born. So I lost my job. That's a death and I'm going to have to grieve it and it's going to be painful. But that also means that some sort of new, I'm not going to be working there. All right. Right, right. So that's going to be painful. Right. And especially if you love that job. Or a relationship. Ends. Yeah, or a fiancé or a spouse cheats on you or some, or somebody you, you love dies, cancer, uh, car wreck, whatever it is. There's a very real grieving and a loss. But if you are willing to go into the heart of that pain and suffering, you will not come out the other side the same person. What's been the hardest point in your life, most challenging experience you've gone through, and the lesson you learned from that? that I set out to help people and to bring people good news about who they are and what's possible for their life. And in probably my early 30s, I started getting criticized. Um, I think the first time it really happened is I did a whole series of sermons about women's equality. Women should be free to be wh whoever they're here to be, right? Because that's obvious. <laughs> um, and a, and a whole group of very dogmatic religious folks in the church that I had started organized and tried to have me removed as the pastor of the church I started. Wow! And became very angry and mean and nasty. And uh, that was probably the first time 
I experienced serious uh, opposition, and I experienced a particular kind of venom. Uh, religious people spew a particular kind of venom when they believe they're defending the Almighty. Um, Isn't that funny? I mean, you can see it in politics right now. When people believe they need to take their country back, that's a particular kind of energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not always good. That's, that can be some really negative energy. Um, and for me, and then I started, when I would go and speak places, there'd be protesters out front. That became a regular part of my wow. life. Um, and then finding out that this person is doing a series of sermons against me and they have hundreds of thousands of followers because I don't believe that God sends billions of people to burn in hell forever simply because they haven't said a particular prayer or something. That's not good news. That's a horror story. Mm. Um, so I, I what do you for learn, me... What do you learn about yourself in those lessons? That we desperately want to be understood. We want to be liked. We want to be popular. We want everybody to get what we're doing. And you cannot control the outcomes, and you cannot control how people will respond to you and your work in the world. Lewis Howes cannot control how people will respond to Lewis Howes' voice and work in the world. So at some point, you have to find the joy in being Lewis Howes and doing the work you're here to do. The joy has to be there, because if your joy is in how many books you're going to sell... Pleasing people. Exactly. If your joy is in selling X amount of books, that may happen, it may not. It may happen on the next book, it may not. Um, If your joy is in the outcome... And goals are lovely and plans are nice, but if your joy is in a particular response from people, you may get that, you may not. Mm. And what you've done, if you place your joy in a particular outcome, is you have placed your joy in the future. And all you have is now. So the real joy is in doing what you're here to do today. And people may like you, they may not. They may protest you, they may not. They may do really, really well-organized boycotts of you, they may not. Um, They may, uh, what my book Love Wins, my editor told me 12 books have been written against my book Love Wins. So you can go on Amazon, Apparently, apparently you can go on and find 12 books people wrote against that book. So you might have... Numbers of people literally publishing books against your one book, wow. which I think is hilarious. What do they say? Love loses? Well, that's the thing about it is <laughs> what wins, it's so then? awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hate wins. Like literally people like, what is all this God is love talk? <laughs> I know. What a crazy idea. <laughs> um, and I, that is my, my, greatest, my greatest lesson has been learning, oh, wait. All the things that your ego wants to be loved and admired and respected and understood may not happen. And if that doesn't happen, and you keep going, and now you're dangerous. Now you're dangerous. Wow. Because you're here. And the worst that could happen happened, and we're doing fine. So let's do some stuff. Right. So I, I've never had more fun. I've never had more of a sense of wonder and awe that I get to do this. But that didn't come without some serious heat and fire and some sleepless nights to say the I least. Bet. Yeah. What would yeah. you say? What would you say are the three to five values that you live your life by? 
Or do you have a set of values, yeah. principles? That you, uh, it's like your creed? Yeah, I begin with there's more going on here. So when you talk about what you put your faith on, spirituality, God, believing in Jesus, whatever you want to say, I just begin in every situation with there's more going on here. So whether it's suffering loss, whether I'm just having a conversation with somebody that I've never met, there's more going on here. Yeah. So always assume that what I would just call spirit is at work. You have no idea what the, uh, what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, we're driving Christmas day. We drove from LA over to Phoenix and we stopped to get gas and I'm walking out of the gas station and it hits me. Wait, that woman is working on Christmas day. So I stop and talk to her because I could get gas and get my family across the desert because this woman is working on Christmas day. Mm. So I just stopped and thanked her, just chatted with her for a minute. Because something about the moment was like, just give that woman some love and respect because right. she's working in a gas station. So you didn't even think about it. You didn't think, yeah. I hope somebody's working on Christmas Day. You just live with this assumption. Yeah. yeah, I'll be able to get gas. Well, somebody had to like be away from family mm -hmm. to work in a gas station on Christmas. Um, so I begin with, there's always more going on here. And then number two, integrity. Uh, live your life. So that all could be made known and you wouldn't have anything you were embarrassed about. So especially when I was young and I started, I realized that my work had this public dimension to it. And that I was actually in public talking about spiritual things. Who am I to do this? You know what I mean? You can never answer that question. But you can live with integrity in all areas of your life. Ruthless integrity. So if anything smells of any dishonest, unfair, exploitive, I'm no, mm -mm, not interested. No way. Yeah. I can't. Um, and that's not because I'm, I'm scared of some weird, outdated morality. It's because that's the only way I can do what I do is to live like with just ruthless integrity. Do you feel like you always live with ruthless integrity? That is a value. And the ability to go, oh, I cut a corner there. I shouldn't have done that. Well, how do I need, how do I make amends? I, I, I need to call that person and just say to them, I've literally gone over to people's houses, knocked on the door and said, I just came by to say, I'm so sorry for what I said the other day. I didn't mean that. I hope you didn't take it the wrong way. But I got in my car and drove to their place because somehow that for me was how you make, you do everything you can to make you it You fell right. out of integrity in that moment. Yeah. It's just sometimes you just have this, call them mm -hmm. and apologize in case they took that the wrong way. Yeah. Just call them. Don't live wondering mm -hmm. what if. Sure. Um, and then. That was two. Oh, yeah. Number three. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you have you more begin, you find the divine in the everyday. You find the divine in the valley, not the mountain. So for Kristen and I and making lunches for the kids in the morning and well, you're there tonight making a smoothie, like watching football with my other son. If it doesn't work for you and your family or friends or whatever in an everyday like the the warp and woof of your everyday life. 
it has to work there before you have anything to say or give beyond the walls of this house. So if I have anything in my writings or podcast or my tours or anything to say to the world, um, that's not the mountain with a microphone on a stage in front of lots of people. Yeah. Um, the mountain, the peak experience is putting my daughter to bed just now. It, you have to mm. find it. Um, like you were saying the past couple of days, you were getting all this work done. Yeah, I was in the zone. You love, and what you were telling Kristen and I, you were all alone in your apartment just getting stuff done and loving it. So the public Lewis house and the joy that you give people through your podcast and books and tours and work and all that, that starts with you all alone doing the work. Good stuff, Dad, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of people like, how do, you have a, how do you have a voice? How do you have a big, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, start with you on an average Tuesday in October <laughs> yeah. at 9 a.m. at your desk or going to a meeting or whatever. It starts there. Um, cause people, not the that's speaking gig start. once every six months. <laughs> that's the frosting, not the cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it starts with your everyday disciplines and routines that ground you and center you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to me like this desk right here every morning. I sit down there after the kids go to school and I work on whatever the next thing is. And I have moments at that desk. I've had that desk since 2000. I've had moments where I'm literally sitting there with tears in my eyes because I've stumbled into something like, oh, oh, that's good. Mm. And I and whatever it is I stumbled into, I'm realizing how it's affecting me, how it's changing me, how it's helping me see. And then it's, okay, how can I put language on that to share with people? Um, How could I tell that story in a way that people could see what I've seen? But it starts with my own deep personal experience of the world. Yeah. Um, and those own moments. And that's that's where it starts. It doesn't start on some, oh, I'm going to take a, you know what I mean? It starts sure. there. Wow. Would you say those are the three core values? <laughs> or do you have more? Well, you go all day on this stuff. <laughs> that's a good start. Yeah. There we go. That's a good that's start. That's a good start. I like it. So you said there's more going on here. Uh, integrity, live your life so that it all could be made known and you wouldn't be embarrassed by it. Yeah. And find the divine in the valley, not the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's great. That's good. The, the, there's more going on here, especially if you have a boring job. And I've talked to lots of people about this. You have a job where you're like, yeah, but you don't understand what I do all day. It's actually more powerful in jobs that appear to be more mundane and sort of even boring is walk into that call center for another day of work. And even write it out on a card. On a card, there's more going on here. So an example would be: you have a break, and your coworker who totally annoys you, Bruce, <laughs> Carol, you know, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I had an awful weekend, and everything within you is like, Carol, Bruce, I am so. Everything within you is like the last thing on earth I want to hear about is your awful weekend. But in that moment, you go, "There's more going on here," and you say, Bruce. Why was your, tell me about why your weekend was awful. You have no idea in that moment when you choose to, when you move from indifference to a question, what might be just, because that person said my weekend is awful. Translation, 
could somebody please ask me how my weekend was so I could get this thing off my chest that I'm carrying around? Yeah. You have no idea what extraordinary, sacred encounter can come from a question like that. Mm. And all of a sudden, you see Bruce not as the most annoying coworker ever, human sandpaper, but Bruce is a human being struggling like all the rest of us. Right. And often we're one question, comment, you lean in instead of away, you know what I mean? From something really interesting. Uh-huh. We're just that close. And yet we're like, oh, please. And we walk away. That's Amazing. how it works. Amazing. Well, this has been incredible. <laughs> Did we cover some good? <laughs> we cover some great stuff. Um, I'm going to finish with your definition of greatness, which I'm going to record on Snapchat here in a second. Um, but I want to acknowledge you, Rob. I appreciate it. The last time you came on, I acknowledged you for all the gifts that you bring. To the oh, world. that's so kind of you. And I want to acknowledge you for coming back on and diving in even deeper with me. I think originally I had an idea of where I wanted this to go, and then it just kind of went in so many amazing directions that I was so <laughs> grateful that you shared your wisdom on this. And this is just one man's point of view. Everyone you listening, that right. it's not, you know, the Bible. Correct. It, it is an opinion and a point of view. And Absolutely. For me, I feel like, again, you're like a, a great spiritual guide for me. You're a great mm. spiritual compass for me to just continue to be curious and ask questions. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I'm always asking questions about what's true, what's not true, what's possible, what's not possible. Mm -hmm. And so I just like to be reminded of stories, lessons, examples yeah. of how we can live our best, truest lives. And you continue to provide that for so many people like you did today on this podcast. So thank you for all that you continue to do. Oh, I loved it. That you continue. I love to, talking to you. I know. It's great. <laughs> and I highly recommend everyone go download and subscribe to the Robcast. Uh, you can check it out on iTunes. You can go to robbell.com. Check it out. Um, I'll have a bunch of links up here afterwards on the show notes about how you can get his books, the ones I like and recommend. But make sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's one of the very few that I actually listen to. Um, of the 400,000 podcasts out there on iTunes, Rob's is one of the top. And um, he's doing a lot of touring this year, a lot of great events. So make sure to subscribe to his newsletter. You get a free book that he just came out with. If you subscribe to his newsletter, I believe you still get that book for free. It's on my website. They it's can just website. Go, it's okay. a novel. Yeah, they can just get it. it. Yeah. And um, get on his newsletter because he's always doing events around the country and you yep. want to see him live. I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I saw him live this last summer and it was his talk was so powerful and it doesn't matter what religion or belief you have, you're going to find some wisdom and knowledge that's going to support your life. So, Rob... Final question is, what's uh, your definition of greatness? Oh, greatness is when you leave the room and people have more hope than when you entered the room. I think that's the same answer you gave last time. Is it really? I think so. <laughs> I love it, man. Let's keep it real simple. I love it, man. Rob Bell, thank you so much for coming on. I, I loved it. it. My pleasure. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed part two. Again, if you haven't subscribed to Rob Bell's stuff, make sure to head over to robbell.com and check out the show notes, lewishouse.com slash 276. Make sure to send both of these episodes to your friends. Share it over on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Instagram and all that good stuff. Snapchat. I'm hanging out more on Snapchat these days. So make sure to follow me there to see 
my daily stories and tips and inspiration. Again, lewishouse.com slash 276 for this episode. If this is your first episode you came to, then go back to 275 and listen to both of them together. I love you guys. I thank you so much. We've got some big guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the School of Greatness podcast over on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.